This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 168, submission number 124, Thunder in Paradise. Thunder in Paradise aired in syndication from March 25th to November 27th, 1994, for 22 episodes. syndication anything you could literally come up with a pitch and you could probably get it sold it was like the 1990s version of when you would pitch a show to netflix and they'd instantly green light it that's how dad stop embarrassing me got onto netflix hey jamie fox is funny the show not so much hmm. well we'll be seeing jamie fox again later this year chico okay preferably not in blue it looked like everybody was trying to get a hit of that Baywatch money. Because you remember, Baywatch, the first season, was on NBC, and that went absolutely nowhere. No. No, well, it was on a Sunday night. Yeah, it was on a Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. And even though the pilot did have Match and Meek in it, on a weird WTF storyline... It did not go over well. No, like I said, it went absolutely nowhere. No. But they tried to get in syndication, and lo, an empire was born. And it's a show that still makes Fremantle Media loads of money today. Oh, but yes. 
Oh, there's a channel devoted to it on Pluto TV. There sure is. Remastered and in high definition. High definition. You but can watch it, all the David Hasloff and Pam Anderson and Yasmin Belief in HD. Oh, but yes. And don't forget Nicole Eggert. Oh, Nicole Eggert. Ugh. And former Card Sharks contestant Kelly Packard. And for the ladies, Jason Momoa. And oh, that's right. Is- he Baywatch Hawaii, right? Yep. Right ain't over yet. <laughs> My man. And if this was a video podcast, this is where we would insert the gif of him opening that chair. You know what I'm talking about, Chico. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, oh, oh someone tell Kyle Hirschon about that. Yeah. Or Peter Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Griffin. <laughs> Name something you sit in. Chair. Try again. Big chair. No, that's the same thing. Try again. Hi, chair. That's still a chair. Chair. Say something other than chair. What if I can't think of anything? You can pass. How do I pass? Just say it. Say what? Say pass. Chair. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, Michael Burke, Douglas Schwartz, and Gregory J. Bonham made a boatload of money off of selling Baywatch into syndication. A boatload. So they're thinking... Maybe lightning can strike twice? Or should I say thunder? Yes. But this couldn't just be any show, any action show. No. It had to have something big. Something big. Something, two something bigs. And they found two really big people. One of whom is literally and figuratively big, but we'll talk about him in a moment. Yes. It's paradise. But where are we going to find paradise? How about Florida? Because another thing that's important about syndication in the late 80s, early 90s, Florida was becoming a hotbed for television production. Oh, it was. I mean, Nickelodeon Studios... And so Universal after, Studios. After politics and tax breaks became a thing in Florida, everybody wanted a piece of the action. So this show was produced, well, it, it started to be produced out of St. Petersburg, Florida. Then it moved to Hollywood Studios at Disney in Orlando, with shows being filmed in and around the Space Coast Central Florida area. Yeah. Also, by the way, Howard Studios at this time still does the MGM. Great movie ride, RIP. Anywho, and it just so happens that somebody was living in Florida at the time and could star in this show. Oh, really? Who would that be? Let me tell you something, brother. Oh, yeah. Mr. Terry Balea himself. Yes. Hulk Hogan. Was signed on to play one of the heroes on Thunder in Paradise. Oh, yeah. And this would be like right around the time where he was taking a break from wrestling, too. Fun fact he left the WWE, which would still have been the WWF at this time, to star on Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. And after this show was canceled, he'd move on to WCW. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, 
this show is actually the reason why he went to WCW. Because funny enough, WCW at the time was taping their syndicated show, WCW Worldwide, at Disney MGM. And guess who convinced Hulk Hogan on the set of Thunder in Paradise to go to WCW? Uh, that would be WCW President Eric Bischoff. No! What?! You're not going to believe this, but Eric Bischoff has told this story on his podcast, I believe. So, all right. Uh, Ric Flair was the one who convinced him to go to WCW. And then he told Eric Bischoff, hey, we can get Hulk to come to WCW. And guess what? He did. Yep, that's another story for another day. That's another story for another day. Oh, but thank God Eric Bischoff signed the Hulkster. And as a matter of fact, they had his signing at a ticker tape parade at Disney MGM, too. They celebrated his signing at Disney MGM. Yes. They will celebrate anything at Disney MGM. Oh, yes, they will. They even had me, Gene, there at the ceremony. And they had a press conference and one of the reporters, no Jake, actually said, Hey, Hulk, show us the 24-inch pythons. Oh, but yes. (laughs) But as much as Hulk could totally carry this show by himself... Oh, yes. He needed someone to bounce off of. And so they got someone. Fresh, uh, well, he would be like three or four years uh, outside of the cancellation of Duet on Fox, which, by the way, is a future entry. Yeah. And we talked about him in a previous entry. Yes, we did. Yeah. That would be Chris Lemon. Oh, son of acting royalty. Oh, mm-hmm. the, the great Jack Lemon. The great Jack Lemon, yes. Oh, but yes. I actually, last year during the, the start of the pandemic, Arrow Video had a pandemic sale, and I got on Blu-ray the Arrow Video Arrow Academy Special Edition of the movie The Apartment from Billy Wilder with Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray. Cinematic gold. Oh, yeah, and Fred McMurray plays a real a-hole in that movie. Chris Lemmon, on the other hand, he's no a-hole. He's a darn nice guy. Oh, he is. And Hulk, the Hulkster and Chris Lemmon would play two... Ex-Navy Seals. Ex-Navy Seals. Randolph J. Hurricane Spencer and Martin Brew Brewbaker. Now, I have watched these episodes, and I can count on one Keenan Wynn-sized hand the number of times that Spence was called Hurricane. <laughs> that number of times you held up, number of fingers you held up on your hand. Yeah. Five. Five. It's like they gave him the nickname Hurricane, but usually they just call him Spence. Yeah, they just call him Spence. And they just call Martin Brew Baker Brew. They just call him Brew. Brother. Spence and Brew. And having escaped the military life, they now survive in Florida as Soldiers of Fortune. Does this sound like anything? Except it's just two people. Yeah. And they're on a boat. But it's not just any boat, Chico. Oh, yeah. It is a scarab sort of craft boat. 
a stealth craft boat named Thunder. Thunder! That's the joke. Now you get it. Now you get the joke with the name of the show. It's not just any boat. It's a boat that helps them solve capers. And Chico, like the Super Train, it runs on Time Lord technology. Oh yes, Thunder has two sort of modes. The first mode is just a regular sort of speedboat, not unlike the Kaiju Sea given away on the daily on The Price is Right. And then it switches over to some sort of covert ops mode, where it has like this sort of cover on it. And the inside looks like a freaking submarine. Oh yes, it's a sub it's a submarine. And you can tell <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. Yes. How is that possible? I don't know. And they never once address the size discrepancy. I mean, we're just supposed to sort of go through this whole suspension of of belief on this, aren't we? Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, Spence and Brew would operate out of their boat, which they kept docked in a marina attached to a bar, if I'm not mistaken. Attached to a bar. Near a hotel. Near a hotel. And for those of you keeping score, it is the Grand Floridian. And it's awesome. Yeah. So managing the bar is former model Kelly LaRue, who, in addition to managing the bar, also looks after Spence's uh, stepdaughters? I say daughters, because... One of them disappears midway during the show. I think the role got recast between the pilot and when it went to series, so. And Kelly LaRue is played by former model and Dancing with the Stars participant, Carol Alt. Oh, the legendary Carol The Alt. legendary Carol Alt. Oh, absolutely. And it should be noted that the mother is played by Felicity Waterman, who plays Megan Whitaker, the woman who marries Hulk Hogan's character of Spence in the pilot, and the daughter of Megan, which is Jessica Whitaker Spencer, is played by Robin Wiseman. Felicity Waterman is known as Vanessa Hunt in the final two seasons of Knott's Landing, and Robin Wiseman hasn't done much before this show and hasn't done much since. Okay. Oh, she was in Three Men and the Little Lady. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's she right. Was. Oh my God, how, how I did I forget that? about that? She was the little lady. She was I the love li- that movie. I forgot about she was the little lady. Yes, I with, love that movie with Ted Danson, Tom Selleck, and the Goot. Steve Gutenberg, by the way, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, I've never heard him called the Goot before. Oh, everyone calls Steve Gutenberg the Goot. just like everybody calls Spence Hurricane (laughs) but yeah at the end of the pilot episodes we switch to one single actress playing one single role Ashley Gorell a Florida based actress who was on Baywatch 
and One Tree Hill, and uh, actually another Florida-based TV show, Second Noah. Oh which, yeah, by the way, Noah. we're gonna we're gonna cover that one because Second Noah takes place at Bush Gardens, Tampa. Oh jeez, and you know I'm all oh, about the I- Bush Gardens. Oh, and I do want to mention something about Carol Ulf that we uh, failed to mention when Go we ahead. talked about her. Greg, Go ahead. Greg? Yeah. She was on an episode of Wings. What? She was on I'm an not episode lying. of Wings. Hey. And actually, I say I'm not lying, and the thing is, she was on an episode called The Lion King L Y I N. Hey. Hey, Mike. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. What's up? Did you know I love wings? Oh! I did not know that. Hey, Mike, did you know that wings made Tony Schwoop's career? I didn't know that either. That made Tony Schwoop's career. That's good to know. Let's stop whispering and go on with the show. Okay. Okay. And there was one more uh, member of the cast. Well, actually, two more members of the cast. The first one was the voice of thunder. The voice of thunder. There's someone voicing this boat. Oh, by the way, did I mention that thunder, the boat, is basically Nightboat, the crime-solving boat? We now return to Nightboat, the crime-solving boat. Faster, Nightboat. We've got to catch those starfish poachers. You don't have to yell, Michael. I'm all around you. Oh no, the headed for land. We'll never catch him now. Incorrect. Look, a canal. Oh, night boat, go! Oh, every week there's a canal. Or an inlet. Or a fjord. Quiet! I will not hear another word against the boat. Okay, TV off. It's family time. Oh, but Marge, night boat! The crime solving boat! <laughs> night boat, the crime. Okay, but it's not Nightboat, it's Thunder. Yeah, it's, it's Thunder. Yeah, Thunder, it, uh, Thunder, by the way, is a scarab prototype whose voice is played by Russ Wheeler. I don't know who he is either. No. But you know what? I love this, the voice of Thunder. He did play on another Florida-based production, The Adventures of Superboy. Yeah, that did tape in Florida. It's like how many syndicated TV shows didn't take place in Florida. But yeah, and the one person who is also in every other episode would be Edward Whitaker, who is the uncle-in-law. The, the, the yeah, he's basically the uncle-in-law. He's, he's the uncle-in-law, and he's played by legendary actor Patrick McNee. John Steed in the Adventures. The original. That's all you need to know right there. That's the original, all you need to know. The original UK Adventures. Yeah, if you don't know who Patrick McNee is, stop what listening. Podcast are you Go to hell. Go to hell. And, and, and really, if you think when we're talking about the Avengers, we're talking about the MCU, go pound sand. The OG we're talking Avengers. about the real Avengers. John Steed. Diana Rigg, come on. Dame Diana Rigg, yeah. Yeah. If you you want to go back even further, you could probably include Honor Blackman, Pussy Galore herself. But yeah, this is a glorious show. Yes, it is a glorious show. Made even more glorious by uh, this incredible production that they uh, 
okay, it's a combination of the second unit and whoever is behind casting, because holy cow. Oh yeah, not only does this show have an enormous load of guest stars, but also, you also have, of course, with Hulk Hogan being involved, you also have various of his wrestling buddies in this show. Oh, oh, there's a ton of wrestlers in this show. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Kiki Shepard. Kiki. Oh, yeah. Kiki Shepard's in this, too. Let's talk about some of this stuff, shall we? Okay. First, we start with the pilot, which is just called on this episode. God, we have is pilot. Because what else? Spence, a tactical expert, and Brew, a tactical wizard computer genius, quit the U.S. SEALs in order to design and build Thunder, a dream of a boat, and cunningly, bigger inside than out, which we may or may not have been supposed to notice. That comment was from the person that wrote the episode description, by the way. It wasn't a joke by us. By the way, yeah, let's uh, give credit where credit is due. Uh, Swords and Sorcery. .co.uk. The building of the boat having been an expensive process and a hope for naval contract having been lost, they are in danger of losing their baby until it transpires that Megan Whitaker, a local woman whose daughter Spence and Brew have befriended, is about to lose her hotel due to a glitch in her father's will. She has to be married in order to retain her inheritance. Spence marries her on the understanding that she will pay off the bank debts, whereupon the trio enter into an extremely unlikely alliance when they come into the possession of a treasure map. Needless to say, there are bad guys after the treasure too. And one of the bad guys going after the treasure is played by Sam Jones. Yes, Flash Gordon! Are we talking about the Highwayman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Flash Gordon, and he was in Ted. That's right, he was in Ted. Oh, he played such a great role in Ted. He was that great. Is, oh, that was excellent. Oh, yeah. And also in the pilot episode, we have... Okay, Mike, are you ready for this? Oh, there's so many people we can talk about in this pilot episode. Oh, yeah. L- lay, us on, lay one of them on me for starters. All right, here we go. I got three words to say. Girls, girls, girls! Mrs. Garrett! Mrs. Garrett Charlotte Ray. Oh, Oh, that's great. Oh, it was. But oh no, there's so many names. I'm not even joking. Do you want to hear some more names, Greg? I'm sure you've got a number of names. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike, with the names. All right. So, 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 I mean, these are all names. Uh, Lisa Stahl. Yeah. Oh, I know her. She was was uh, a model on the new Prices Right in 1994. Oh. Which I was just about to say. Yeah. And then, oh, we get into the wrestlers. You've got Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Oh, yes. Because they have a pilot version. Like the first 30 minutes, because this went straight to video, the pilot. And the first Mm -hmm. 30 minutes of the pilot movie on the VHS tape is actually recycled for another episode which one of the big subplots in that involves Jim the Anvil Nightheart. But yeah, there's like a subplot where like he's arm wrestling and it's great. Oh, and we're not even done with the wrestlers. No. Oh, no. no. In this episode playing Terramoto, 
is El Gigante Jorge Gonzalez. Giant gi- Gonzalez. Yes. El Gigante. Yeah, and this is the part where we'll play the g- famous Jim Ross story about the Giant Gonzalez right here. I almost got orgasmic because they thought that they had seen the second coming of Andre the Giant. And they thought, wow, his plane ticket's already paid for. Oh, okay. yeah. There you go. And so, Ellie, or, Gun- Ellie- Jorge Gonzalez. Yeah, yes. nice guy, yes. as you'll ever meet. Now, they put that, that gimmick on him, though. Here, you know, the, uh, here they, he got the, the body suit. The body suit. Uh, I, remember, I, I remember the first time we did an interview with, with George, and they were going to have him work with Flair. Jorge was going to be a fan favorite, the giant Gonzalez, against the incomparable antagonist, Ric Flair. And we said, okay, George, you gotta, you know, I'm, talking, I'm working with you, I'm doing the mic, you know, I'm doing an interview. Just, we need to talk about Ric Flair. I said, he's a champion, and he's arrogant, he's, he doesn't like you, and he makes fun of you, and you're mad, and you're angry. Okay, you got it? I got it. So we get the mic, and he, okay, three, two, blah, 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 Ric Flair, and John Gonzalez, uh, class of champions, wherever it was. Giant, what do you think? And I hold the mic up, and he says, Ric Flair, I'll kill you. <laughs> Ric Flair, I'll kill you. Uh, you have any other comments for the Nature Boy, uh, Mr. Gonzalez? You're seven feet seven. I'm trying to put him. Uh, you're seven seven. You're wearing a size 20 shoe. You're a monster. You're this. Anything else you like to say, Ric Flair? Ric Flair, I'll kill you. Well, there you hear it, ladies and gentlemen. From the giant Gonzalez. And Rick. we're not even done. There's still more wrestlers. Oh, Ric uh, Flair. I, was, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say, I want the belt. Oh, that, we'll play right here, too. I want the belt. I want the belt. I want your belt. Yeah, that's okay. right, Jorge. You want the belt. And also, and then, you'll kill Ric Flair. <laughs> and then... Continuing with the wrestling theme, you have Ed Leslie, who you would know better as, Greg? Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Appropriately playing a guy that's named right. Brutus. That's not a stretch. Oh, that's a real stretch. Oh, that's a real stretch. <laughs> and also... And then last but not least... Oh, the mouth of the self himself, oh, yeah. Jimmy Hart. Playing a guy oh, my gosh. Named, named... Are you ready for this? <laughs> what is it, Chico? Jimmy. Wow, what a real stretch. A guy named Jimmy is playing a guy oh, named... it's Tony Danza's syndrome. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts... Is and that's the... just the pilot. That's just the pilot. My favorite that's just part... the first part of pilot. Remember, oh, yeah. this was split up into three episodes. Or, I think or two it was two episodes. two episodes, whatever. Okay. Uh, no, just two episodes. But also, the, the, the same people are in both parts one and two. There's no yes. additional no additions. guest stars making appearances. Yeah. But I do want to say my favorite part of the pilot is when they're having the big wedding and Jimmy is wearing a ridiculous like jacket at the wedding as only Jimmy Hart can be. That's so gold. That's just crazy, crazy. That's crazy. so Jimmy Hart. Okay. Okay. All right. So now we're getting into the show proper with episode three. Yes. Tug of War. Uh, tug of War. Now, it should be explained that in between the pilot and the regular series, they explain 
that Megan Whitaker, who I should mention is the niece of Patrick McNeese character, died. They don't say what she died of, I don't think. But yeah, in between the pilot and the series, her character gets written off by the explanation. Oh yeah, she died. Yeah, she died and left you one kid. Okay. An old enemy of Spence and Bruce, the despicable hammerhead, gets hold of the control desk for a top-secret naval device. The boys are dispatched to get it back, but at the same time must deal with Uncle Edward Whitaker, who wants to send Jessica back to England to live with relatives. Megan, it transpires, has been killed in a road accident while visiting her homeland. Okay, that explains it. But okay, playing the role of Hammerhead. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. It, and this will not be the first time we saw Hammerhead. No. It's Steve Borden. But you would best know Steve Borden as... That's right. Sting. Not that Sting. But when you talk about Sting, you know, in professional wrestling, you know who we're talking about. Mike's doing the face, the famous <laughs> meme of Sting holding the phone on the WCW hotline. One year I should just have, as Halloween, dressed up as a Sting face paint and just be, like, frozen in time holding the phone with, like, that look on my face. <laughs> yeah. When, when, I greet, when I greet kids at the door. And, and they need to have the little... Hey, what's wrong with have... you? Are you having a... I'm sorry, Chico Go that I was like, say you need to have the little plexiglass thing with the 1 900 number. 1 900 909 9900. Oh no. And then the kids are going to say, Are you having a stroke, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. That would be classic. I want a picture of that if that ever gets done. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. I'll definitely. Okay. Uh, we should also add uh, that in this episode, we also still had uh, Jimmy Hart and uh, Ed Leslie as Brutus and, and uh, Jim the Animal Nightheart. We don't have any sighting of Val Gigante this episode. No, no. he'll he'll re- come back later as a different character. Okay. Yeah. See, oh, ep- oh, absolutely. Episode four. C. Quentin. Hammerhead. I bet you a prison is involved. Oh, there's definitely a prison involved in this. Hammerhead's back. He's been co-signed to an undersea prison, but he soon escapes and takes over when he demands Spence's ransom in exchange for the safety of the warder and guards. Brew has to sneak in the back way to help out. Needless to say, all does not go well according to plan, which is just as well because Hammerhead has to live to fight another day. Meanwhile, Legs worries about keeping her new boardmaid safe from the advance of the local guys. And making her first appearance on this show, first of many, the pride of Columbus, Ohio, Mike, Heidi Mark. Never heard of her. Nothing? Nicole Jordan from Love Boat, The Next Wave? Ashley from Married with Children, the Spring Break episode? Okay, I have an idea as to who you're talking about now. Yeah. She was on BattleBots that one season? See, you just had to mention Married with Children, the spring break episode. It's like, okay, I remember who she is now. There you Uh go. Thank you for refreshing my memory. Hey, I just had to speak your language. Yeah. Yeah, and you did. All right. Episode five, Strange Brew. 
Not that strange brew. There's no uh-huh. Rick Moranis or Dave Thomas. Although it would have been great. Strange events lead Spence and Brew on the trail of voodoo practitioners who are determined to turn Spence into a zombie. Brother. Protected by a charm, he leads the battle against them while Brew, in a great performance from Chris Lemon, hallucinates wildly after being shot with a poisoned arrow. Oh, yeah. And, um, okay, uh, among the guest stars is uh, making her first of multiple appearances straight from It's Showtime at the Apollo, Kiki Shepard. Oh, yeah. You're kidding me. Oh, Kiki Shepard from It's Showtime at the Apollo. That's great. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Showtime at the Apollo. Whatever SNL ended for me at 1 a.m. And he came on. I was like, oh, time to go to sleep. I'm apparently the only one who stayed up uh, late to watch It's, it's Showtime, Showtime at the Apollo. After SNL. Yeah, hey, no, man, wait, no. It would have aired opposite SNL. Oh, and so- you're, you're one of those workers that headed against SNL. Yes, I was. Oh. Yeah, but when this was, well, a little bit uh, before this was on, op- uh, after SNL, we had the grudge match. Oh, the grudge uh, match with Jesse and Steve Albert. Yes, uh, that was great TV for after SNL. Oh, we got to cover that one day, the grudge match. I think okay. it's already on the list. Oh, but yes. Okay. And uh, next- Oh, we got two-porter. Oh, this- yeah. This makes up the second straight for video movie. Yeah, conveniently titled Thunder in Paradise 2. Dos. It's called Sealed with a Kismet. Legs dreams of an Arabian prince who will come and whisk her away to a life of romance in the East. When her dream begins to come true, Brew is both worried and jealous. Because she leaves, nonetheless, for pastures anew. Meanwhile, Jessica has dreams of her own, showing thunder being destroyed when the boys go to rescue a woman. Kelly's frantic calls for help send them dashing to her assistance, with Jessica's dream looking more and more as though it might come true. Even when the immediate threat is caused by a local warlord has been dealt with, escape is a long way away, as Spence and Legs find themselves forced into marriages they have not asked for, and Brew is about to be turned into the eunuch in charge of the local virgins. Oh, no. But guess what? It's a love story! It's a love story. But guys, guess what? Ellie Gante's back playing a completely different character. (laughs) Oh, but that's not all. Because there's so many seven foot seven people in the world. He's (laughs) played that many characters. They couldn't get Manute Bowl? He was too. He busy. would have been playing at the time. He would have been playing for the bullets. Okay, playing the character. no, not with the bullets. He would have probably been playing with either the Sixers or the Warriors. Oh, that's right. He only spent the first year or two in in, in DC. But oh, anyhow, yeah. but hey, we got that iconic image of him next to Muggsy Bogues. You darn right. Oh yeah. Okay, playing the role of Yusef is Fred Ottman, but you would know Fred Ottman best, Chico, in the WWF as. Tugboat and Typhoon, and also Fred Ottman's gonna come up in this podcast later on down the line because he was involved in one of the most memorable botches in wrestling history when he portrayed the Shockmaster. That sounds painful. Oh, it sounds painful because 
as we all know, the Shockmaster took a great fall wearing a Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet made of glitter. Oh. God, God bless you, Uncle Fred. I'm playing the role of Prince Aramor is Carlos Lauchu, who is a that guy from that straight-to-video thing. Okay. So, there you go. Oh, here we go with episode eight. Oh, we're going to have a lot to say about who's in this. Changing of the guard. An English earl hoping to gain control of an inheritance passed only through the females of his family claims that he is Jessica's natural father. And when she goes to England to visit him, he kidnaps her. Assisted by Uncle Edward, Spence and Brew speed to her rescue and find themselves in the torture chamber of an ancient castle. Okay, playing the baddie in this episode, Bryden Chubshaw is the one, the only, John O'Hurley. Jacobo Peterman played a bad guy? No! Oh, yeah. But, oh, that's not the best part of this episode, Chico. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know what you're going to say. I I know what you're going to just, say. Just okay. They have a castle portraying England with the thing on the Chiron at the bottom saying, London, England. And you know what they used as a castle to pretend this was England? Cinderella's castle. Cinderella's castle! From the Magic Kingdom. And I'm like... They couldn't get stock footage of Buckingham Palace or something? Or a castle. In any castle in England. No. That's London, England. That's the Magic Kingdom in Disney. It is amazing how London looks nothing like the Magic Kingdom. It's amazing that London Kingdom just so happens to look like the Epcot portion of England. It's really weird. They went to the England Pavilion, didn't they? Yeah, at Epcot. Yes, they did. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. That's cool. Think of the most of them tax breaks. Oh, well, I should mention that tax breaks is just one of the reasons why they shot the show in Florida. Another one of the reasons is Hulk Hogan didn't want to travel as much. He, he didn't want to travel, brother. He didn't as want to travel, brother. Hey, if you saw that Dark Side of the Ring episode recently about the WCW New Japan Collision in Korea show, Eric Bischoff will tell you all about how Hulk You wouldn't want to well. travel either. Anoki wanted Hogan. Hulk was the biggest name in wrestling at that point in time. To make a lot of news, it would be good for Anoki and his political career. I did ask, but it was a short answer. Hmm. Can't make that one, brother. <laughs> that was it, man. It was a five-minute conversation. No, no, especially to Pyongyang, North Korea. Hulk, you did a good thing to not go over there. I don't blame you. Okay, episode nine. Gettysburg change of address. Another old enemy of Spence and Bruce, an army captain named Fitch, who once was thrown out of the seals, challenges the boys to a game a reenactment of a Civil War battle with his side playing the Union Army victors. Thanks to some minor revisions of a few historical points and the addition to their ranks of the lovely Bruetta, the pair win. Jessica learns never to try to do her homework when Brew is around, and Legs deals with a two-timing ex-boyfriend. Okay, but guys, are you ready for who is in this as a guest star? I'm ready. 
Okay. This is better than John O'Hurley. I'm just saying. Playing the role of George Langston Sibley the Sixth. Jeff Altman. <laughs> oh Jesus. There is life after Pink Lady and Jeff. This is the third time we brought up Jeff Altman because he was in Legends of the Superheroes. Oh my gosh. And playing the role of Captain Fitch is John Beck. Not the John Beck from episode 92, quarterback for the Dolphins. No. So there's more than one John Beck. Episode 10, Distant Shout of Thunder. Spence and Broom must stop a Scottish millionaire who wants to unleash a computer virus over the internet to disrupt the world's economy because it's 1994, damn it. So spread this video to all your friends because it's a computer virus. Virus! You're going surfing on the internet. You're going surfing on the internet. Any guest stars in this episode, Chico? As Captain Hollis Pipe, the one, the only... Sherman Hemsley. Oh, yeah, Sherman Helmsley. Yeah. And um, that's pretty much it. Okay. That's great. Okay. Episode 11. Nature of the Beast. The boys are hired by a Vietnamese man who turns out to be Diarie. The man who murdered Brew's older brother, Paul, during the Vietnam War. In flashback, we see how Brew set out to avenge his brother's death all those years ago, only to be captured and tortured by his murderer. Back in the present, Spence manages to persuade Brew to try to rescue the man's daughter, and eventually they find her on an island, being threatened by a giant energy beast. A beast which can apparently only be defeated by Brew's ukulele playing. What?! Uh, what? Huh? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Brew has to stop the energy piece by playing his ukulele. Why didn't Don Ho guest star in this episode? I don't know. Oh, hey, we should mention the voice of the beast was Frank Welker. Oh, because he is the voice of well anything that's right yeah but it's one thing i don't get because the beast is played by ed leslie was it a guy in a beast suit was it a what what uh, talk to me about this i don't know i guess maybe this was practice for that angle of wcw where brutus played the masked man and betrayed hulk I don't know. Here it is! Yes, oh my! It's Brother Brunei! Oh my god! He has butchered a friendship! That man has butchered a friendship! That's not all he's butchered, he's a backstabber! Episode 12 Identity Crisis. Hey, Sting's back! A oh member of Hammerhead's new gang manages to dupe Spence into recording a tape which the gang edits into a threat to destroy Miami. When Hammerhead impersonates Spence to frame him for the theft of a missile, the boys find themselves on the run from the authorities and having to fight their old enemy once again. In the meantime, Trelawney, 
the delightfully batty psychic practitioner meets up with an old flame that she once jilted. Oh, no. But okay, the, the best part of the episode, I want to say this. Okay, so Sting's plot to mess with Spence is he wears a mask as Spence. And he that's takes, crazy. That's crazy. And then he takes off the mask revealing it was me all along. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like the worst episode of The Masked Singer ever. The worst episode of The Masked Singer ever. And then the best part is Thing is holding the mask of Spence in his hand. And I'm going to play this scene for you guys right here on screen share. It is effing glorious. Here we go. Okay, we're in the water here. Oh, there's, there's... That's just a plain old boat. Less than one hour to launch, Spencer. If I don't get my 100 mil by then, Miami's gonna be rubble. Might even be worth not getting it to have you... Or Miami looks a lot like Orlando. ...on humanity. And you'll know exactly who did it. Won't you, Spencer? As they get ready to pull the switch, you'll be screaming my name. Hammerhead! It was Hammerhead! He did this! He did this to me! You'll be screaming, and I'll be laughing. <laughs> Look, Hammerhead, just give it another three years and face Spence. You know, Hammerhead, just go to the movies, watch a movie. I'm sure The Crow is playing right now in a movie theater, and you can go fight Spence in another three years, Hammerhead. Do you get it, Chico? I Yeah, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Yes. Yes. Because they would be in WCW together. And then the Crow, because Sting's character in three years would be kind of based off the Crow. But legally distinct because Wait. copyright. Because copyright, yes. Hey, Mike found a guest star. Mike found a guest star. Ba -ba -boom. Not really a, a famous guest star, but somebody who's been in the business sometime. And he played Carl in this episode. Uh, an actor by the name of Oba... Oba, Oba Babatunde. Oba, Oba Babatunde, who has been in many things, but, but he's currently on SWAT playing Daniel Harrelson Sr. Only until the next season of Dear White People drops. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's on that too. Okay, there you go. I totally overlooked that. Okay. Episode 13, Queen of Hearts. Playing with the Queen of Hearts. Hey, let's have another uh, British royalty story. Oh. Dumbfounded Edward is to receive a medal from the Queen of England. Brew falls for a girl whose only interest is the Queen's scepter. And Spence fights a robot dinosaur. In a monster truck, no less. In a monster uh, truck. And guess who's driving the other monster truck? Are you ready for this? Uh, who, who's driving the other? Playing the character of Amarillo. Terry Funk. Terry Funk! Yes! Because it's a joke because Terry Funk's from Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, Chico, maybe this explains where Hulk got the monster truck to face the big show on the roof of Cobo Wall. That makes so much sense now. Yeah, Terry Funk gave it to him. Ugh. But I guess, I guess we blame Terry Funk for Hulk getting dry up by the big show and a mummy. Yeah, but uh, we have an interesting bit of a connection here. 
the lady playing Ashford was Janice Benson, who you would know as Miss Petruga on Welcome Freshman, a.k.a. the teacher that Mr. Lipman lusted after? Oh, yeah, that is true. Mr. Lipman did lust after her. Yes. Playing the role of the jewel thief that Brew falls for, Shannon Daring, Allison Armitage, who would be seen in another syndicated entry, Acapulco Heat. Acapulco Heat. Wow. Oh, boy. You can't say that they haven't uh, typecast or, or anything. Okay, episode 14. Plunder in Paradise. (laughs) When Jessica returns from her summer camp holiday, Spence tells her all about the adventure that she missed while she was away. We see in flashback as he tells the tale about how he, Brew and Legs, helped a young Indian search for the hidden burial grounds of his people in order to keep his promise to his grandmother. Modern-day pirates complicate things as they search for the legendary treasure supposedly hidden in the same burial grounds. Also, Spence wrestles the most spectacularly fake croco-gator that the person writing this recap has seen since Johnny Rice Pure stopped being tossed. Did you just say croco-gator? Yes! That's how he wrote it! A fake croco-gator! And Brew has a whale of a time swashbuckling his way through the episode. I don't know if it's an interesting name as far as casting is concerned, but it's an interesting name nonetheless. Playing a shaman, a man by the name of Brave Standing Eagle. This, according to IMDb, is his only credit. Playing the pirate Jean Lafoy, the pirate is Jim Peary who is known mostly for voice work. And we're talking about Batman, The Long Halloween, as Sal Maroney, American Dad, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, Dragons, Final Fantasy XV, as Regis loses to Selim. Okay. But yeah, just a prolific voice actor. Episode 15, Eye for an Eye. Spence and Brew go to Cuba to rescue the wife and child of a defector. Brew catches a cold, which is infinitely funnier than it sounds, and the pair of them manage to blow up half of Cuba's coastline whilst rescuing the aforementioned pair. It's Cuba's... okay because Cubans aren't going to watch this episode. No, no, they're not going to get the reception if this show's being syndicated from Miami. So, whatever. Oh, by the way, as I mentioned, half of the first, like, 20-30 minutes of this pilot, of the original pilot, on at least the home video version, is recycled in this episode. And they have, like, a thing in the episode to explain why, in the pilot, why Hulk is wearing an eye patch. Because yeah. him and because him and Jim Nighthart's character had like a big thing with an arm wrestling match, and I guess I, I think Jim Nighthart threw sand in his eye or something. Yeah, it would also explain the appearance of Jessica Whitaker as played by Robin Wiseman. 
Yes. Episode 16. Endangered Species. Oh. Because, hey, you're a syndicated show, and you're in the mid-90s, and you're being taped in Florida, you're going to have an environmental story. Hey, hey, guess what? Hey, Mike, do you want to know something about this episode? What's that? This episode reused the plot from Manimal. Oh, oh, no. (laughs) Cannibal. Cannibal. Okay. When Spence and Brewer are out doing their manatee watching duties, they capture a gang of poachers who have in one of their cages a young boy raised by wolves. It quickly transpires that the boy is Tommy Ralston, the only survivor of an ill-fated expedition some years earlier. It soon also transpires that the rest of the expedition was murdered, and whoever tried to kill Tommy then is equally determined to kill him now. Sounds a lot like Tarzan, but with murder. Yeah. That's kind of the whole thing when we explained it back in episode three, Chico. It's Tarzan with murder. Got it. Yeah, basically. You know, it would have been perfect if Simon McQuickendale guest starred as Dr. Jonathan Chase. Just saying. (laughs) By the way, guest star in this episode is a wrestler by the name of Steve Kern, who you'd best know and his tag team with Stan Lane. But in the WWF, you would best know him as the character of Skinner. Not Skinner! No, it's the character of Skinner in the WWF who was an alligator man. Living out here in the glades really teaches a thing or two about getting along. Like when you're out gator hunting, you gotta lie real still. So when they come swimming by, you can jump on them, take your knife, run it down their belly, and skin them. Just like I'm ready for you boys in the WWF. <laughs> I'm ready to skin you alive. <laughs> Episodes. Oh, look, it's another two-parter. I bet they put this one with the next one and made a movie out of it. And you know what they called it? What'd they call it, Chico? Thunder in Paradise 3. Wow. They called it Thunder in Paradise 3? Yes. Deadly Lessons is the name of the episode. The DEA asks Spence and Brew to help them capture a dangerous drug lord, and his henchmen retaliate. By the way, his lieutenant is Mason Lee, who is played by... Oh God, this name, this name, oh God. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, Shang Tsung from the original Mortal Kombat. Oh, that guy. Oh, and guess who plays the drug lord, Chico? You ready for who plays the drug lord? Tell me who plays the drug lord. Mike, are you sitting down for this? I am seated, yes. Okay. In a dual role, playing the drug lord, Chris Lemon. Really? Yes. (laughs) You can't see it, but Chico's making hand motions like, what? <laughs> and according to our, the folks at swords and sorcery.co.uk, pure camp, but quite delightful nonetheless. And oh god, Spence has to break into a school 
to disarm the bomb left by Lee. Yeah. Okay. Because Ep- the lessons are deadly. The lessons are deadly, folks. Okay. Episode 19. Blast off. A terrorist threatens to blow up a spaceship unless he receives a ransom of a billion dollars. Well, good luck getting that, dude. It's 1994. Yeah. Spence and Brew head off to save the day. And in a strangely relevant subplot, Brew ponders over a suitable nickname for himself. He is jealous of Spence's tag, Hurricane. Why would he be jealous of that? As Chico says, it only comes up like five times. Yeah. After coming up with Gale and numerous other suggestions, he saves the day by deflecting a laser beam with a dustpin lid and earns himself the new nickname of Trash Can Brewmaker. No. They actually spent more time trying to figure out a name for this series. It was originally Trouble in Paradise, then Hurricane in Paradise, until they decided on Thunder in Paradise because... Because Hulk Hogan was living in Tampa at the time, and his NHL team was the Lightning. By the way, as a Canes fan, yeah. By the way, as a Carolina Hurricanes fan, I just want to say this to the Tampa Bay Lightning: coming for you. Yeah, but we're not including the bit with Booker T when he said about when they were coming for Hulk Hogan. You all know what we're talking about. Yeah, sucker. Oh, uh, and we should add. We do have a known entity in this episode, and we're going to be using the Tony Danza theory again because this person oh, named yeah. Julie on this episode. Yes, yes, and control thyself. This is a great one. Playboy, playmate of the year, uh, Julie Lynchialini. Not her. Exactly her. I was going to say we oh, had her. a on, uh, on the uh, on the pilot we had. Uh, Lisa Stahl, a uh, model from the new Prices Right. Here's another model from the new Prices Right, Julie Cialini. Yes. Oh, hey. Yes. Playboy Playmate of the Year, 1993, Julie Lynn Cialini. Well, y- you'd know that. Uh, yeah. You want to know how I know? Because that's how she was billed when she was on American Frickin' Gladiators. Oh, she was on American Gladiators? She was on American Gladiators. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I think we need to look for that episode. Oh, sorry. Playboy Playmate of the Year, 1995. Okay. Sorry. Oh, after the new Price is Right. Nice. Nice. Okay, this is the person I was thinking of. Okay, episode 20, Dead Reckoning. After an accident involving Thunder, Brew is left seriously injured and afloat on a raft with Hammerhead. That's right, Sting's back for this episode. Hammerheads with them for company. Edward and Jessica come to the rescue with the revelation that Uncle Edward was in the Royal Navy during World War II and has the medals to prove it. Whilst adrift together, Brew, Hammerhead, and Spence mull over old times in the Navy, and they try to discover just why they became enemies. They begin to discover that it may be something to do with a military brainwashing experiment using seals as guinea pigs. So basically, guys, this is Enemy Mine. And one of the names in the uh, episode, Linda Hogan? That's right. She makes a cameo at the end of the episode. And since we obviously need a Match Game Hollywood Squares oh, reference yes, this episode, yes. l- let's remember her sister was on a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares, 
And she picked had the 30 when Butch Hartman picked her that first time. Yes. Oh, by the way, and Linda Hogan, we also should mention, former Match Game contestant also in the 70s. Yeah, Match Game 78 after the set change. Yeah. Yep. Rubber. Here comes Linda Claridge. Oh, and the, oh, the last two episodes, guys. Last two episodes the last are two, another. Hold on, guys, guys. The last two episodes are the basis, Mike, for the CDI game. Oh, oh no. God. Okay, you're ready. No, for this isn't a movie. This no. is the CDI game. This is a CDI game, folks. The, the major last... and the and... minor. This was much better with Ginger Rogers. Spence and his nephew are testing the major, the M-A-J-O-R, morphizing acrylonitrile JPS particle organic replica. Or in other words, an android. An android. Not the operating system, the android. An actual android. An actual android. It's talking Lieutenant Commander Data Android. Yes. The Major accidentally receives Spence's memory during a scan of its and Spence's brain. And in the second part, after sharing Spence's memory, the Major identifies with Spence and concludes that his mission is to protect Jessica from everyone, whether they're terrorists or Brew and the real Spence. Okay. Cool. And uh, like Greg said, the basis for the CDI game. Oh, but hey, you know who was a guest star on this episode? Because we mentioned it in the CDI game when we were talking in the video game show part two episode. Brandon Call was in this episode. As uh, Jesse's friend, Zach. Yes. Playing the role of major is Peter Kent. Who is basically a Hollywood stunt guy. Okay. Hollywood stunt guy. And I'll throw out a third name. Darius Rampike. He was played by Gary Casper. Yeah, you may not know him necessarily from any TV shows, but you would recognize him from Battle Dome, where he played Jake Fury. Oh, future installment Battle Dome. You better believe it's future installment better Battle Dome. Hey, Battle Dome did a thing with WCW in 2000. Uh-huh. Oh, and Terry Crews was also there too. Yep. <laughs> Fun fact. Also was on a two-parter of Supergirl. Who? Terry Crews? No, not, no, not not Terry Crews. Um, Gary Casper. Gary, Gary Casper. Casper. Okay, the the remake of Super, the the new series of Supergirl. Yes, from the 2016 with season. Melissa Benoist. Okay. Yes. So yeah, Gary Casper, known also a bit of a stuntman, and that was Thunder in Paradise. And uh, I've been doing a lot of research into this episode. Well, as much as I could for like 20 minutes. Chris Lemon, you notice Chris Lemon has not had steady work since Thunder in Paradise? No. Oh, good point. Yeah, he has said that this show is the reason casting directors have stopped calling him. However, 
He has been in features since. Wishmaster, The Pretender, Best of the Best 4, Rogue vs. Wade in 2021. I believe that was... I don't know what network it was on, but all I know was John Voight was in it. Oh, that explains everything. Yeah. So there's that. We talked about it taking place in Florida, where uh, Hogan had resided. We talked about how he left WWF to film Thunder in Paradise, and then went to WCW as soon as the show was canceled. But we didn't talk about how there was almost a second season of the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, if they were going to go to a second season, Hulk Hogan suggested replacing Chris Lemon with a team of which he would be a member. The team would include himself, Sting, Mr. T, and a female martial artist. Probably Cynthia Rothrock. I was just about to say, if you're looking for a female martial artist in the early to mid-90s, you gotta go with Cynthia Rothrock. Of course. I mean, that's just logic. Now, I bet you also didn't know that this show was originally going to be a pilot for CBS. Oh? Yeah, it was co-funded by CBS and Rete Italia out of Italy, who spent three and a half million dollars on it. Probably over half of that on the boat. On the boat. Yeah, CBS wanted to wait until the pilot was finished before deciding to commit to more episodes. And when it was finished, Rete Italia committed to 11 episodes, or sorry, 13 episodes, while CBS only committed to six. Now, Burke... Bonin and Schwartz decided that they were going to go the syndication route because they didn't want to wait to uh, put the show out there. So, there you go. Now, the one thing that perhaps I guess is the legacy of this show, the Thunder Scarab. Oh yeah, the boat, the glorious boat. Which is bigger on the inside. Yeah, and runs on Time Lord technology like the Super Trick. Hey, maybe Hulk and Chris Lemon, they got the idea for the Thunderboat being running on Time Lord technology from Keenan Wynn. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, Hulk Hogan has said that he did not get to keep the boat after the show was canceled. Oh. But he did have one built. And he alleges that he made the decision when he was heavily medicated following surgery. (laughs) Which I would totally believe because that's something that happens. Now, the boat that was used, which was called Razzle Dazzle, it was purchased and used by Richard Hammond. And this was for the Seaman special of the Grand Tour on Prime Video. Wait, you said, what did you say, Chico? Richard Hammond bought Razzle Dazzle (laughs) for the Grand Tour special entitled Seaman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not finished. (laughs) 
That's what he said. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it aired on December 13th, 2019, and the boat's name was changed by Jessica Clarkson. It was changed to... Jizzle Drizzle. <laughs> oh, no. After the last few minutes, it's eBay Price is Right. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's the only thing that will save us from. Oh, I, yeah, I think that's the only thing that we yep. can. Hey, yeah. eBay Price is Right. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. All what, right. Is, what is this? Well, what do you think it is? What is it's it? the Philip CDI game Thunder in Paradise? Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you had found the boat for sale. No, 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 no. no. I wasn't that lucky. I, I didn't find Jizzle Drizzle or whatever it is. And hopefully that's the last time I ever have to say that. Oh. Okay. So you're bidding on the CDI version of Thunder in Paradise. It is new and sealed. 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 Uh, This is a buy it now price. I'm going to tell you this is located in the Netherlands. Which really is not surprising. Uh, I have a CDI and the CDI was vastly more popular in Europe and the Netherlands. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, they made uh, a number of games, uh, including... A Dutch version of Lingo. That's right. They did make a Dutch uh-huh. version of Lingo on the yeah. CDI. So uh, keep that in mind that this is coming from the Netherlands. I have the price in euros, but I also have it in dollars and cents. And because Chico is brave enough to say "jizzle drizzle," he's going to go first. Uh, twenty-four dollars. Twenty-four dollars, Greg. It's not $24. It's, all right. I'll go $25 because I know it's way higher than that. Yeah, you don't know how much higher it is. $84.19. Oh, wow. Used versions on eBay generally go for like $50. Wow. So so Greg knew what he was talking about there. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's actually some demand for it, and uh, and they consistently sell in like the forty fifty dollar range used. All right, but you want it new, you want it sealed. Eighty four dollars plus thirty dollars fifty cents shipping from the Netherlands. Ridiculous. Well, Mike, 
You have eBay prices, right? Wait a minute, Chico. Are you saying what you, I think you're going to say? Is this going to be the first time you're going to do it? Yes. It's sexy sex time. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is the price that Richard Hammond paid for the scarab used on Thunder in Paradise. The jizzle drizzle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. The boat. Let's just say the boat. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, the boat. Let's call the it boat. by its true name, Night Boat. <laughs> Okay. I'd rather have Jizzle Drizzle, thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay, Mike, what did Richard Hammond pay for this boat? No, I was hoping you'd say, what would you pay for Jizzle Drizzle? <laughs> um, I'm... Oh, good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, if you don't mind me asking, when did he uh, purchase this? Uh, this was mid-2019. Okay, so you're yeah, talking about a 25-year-old boat at that point. Um, yes, but still quite serviceable. Yeah, uh, it doesn't say what model of boat it was, like a Chris Craft or something like that. It was a Scarab Razzle Dazzle. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought the Scarab was It's a Wellcraft like... okay. Scarab 31 Thunder okay. named Razzle Dazzle. All right, I'll... It, this is, that was the model used on the show. Right, right, Obviously, right. They had a paint job done. You're right, right. Okay, I will say $40,000. Greg? I will go 42000 You both overbid. Oh, wow. okay. Go, okay, Mike, lower than 40000 Okay, uh, I'll go 35000 Greg. How much would you pay for Sizzle Drizzle, Greg? Cue it up. He's going a dollar. <laughs> One penny! He's going a penny! <laughs> okay, so Richard Hammond bought Thunder... $31,000. Yeah! Oh, I wasn't that far over. <laughs> no, you weren't. You really weren't. Not bad for somebody who doesn't have Prime Video. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. But, guys, I have an entry for eBay prices right. <laughs> okay, oh, this is the first, music. <laughs> first time I think all three of us have had something in an episode. Guys, you are bidding on a lot of two VHS tapes, which include the VHS tape for Thunder in Paradise, the pilot, and a Coliseum video of Hulk Hogan's greatest matches in the WWF. Brother. Brother. Okay, Mike, I'm going to start the bidding with you. Oh, heavens and Betsy. 
I'm going to say $24.99. Chico. Dream come true! One dollar! All right, yeah, the price on this lot nine dollars and 45 (laughs) cents. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry, I had jizzle drizzle on the mic. Jizzle drizzle, (laughs) you can watch those tapes on jizzle drizzle. Oh my gosh! That's, yeah. uh, are we gonna? Are, is that gonna be okay? Uh, are, we're we're not gonna just retire that name, are we? No, we're gonna. That, eat- that's the 2021 version of zippers. <laughs> Jizzle drizzle. Hey, Jizzle-trizzle. hey. We could, we could you know, ask Greg if, if Richard Hammond doesn't want Jizzle drizzling. We could put it in the museum. There you go. We could have. Of it course, we'd have to restore it to its. Former glory. Former and we have to rename it too. I don't want Jizzle Drizzle in our you know museum. What we can, you know what we can rename it? What can we name it? Zippers! <laughs> Zippers! <laughs> oh, Greg, Greg, class up this joint, will ya? Well, I'm going to class up my jo- this joint. This is your joint! With a special edition. Of it was a thing on TV, Haiku Corner. Oh, good. Okay. A palate cleanser. Okay, let's cue the music. Yes. Hey. Beautiful. Oh, look at that. That music. It's beautiful. What oh, do you, so soothing. Uh, it makes me want to go on a beach and arm wrestle Brutus Beefcake. It makes me want to jizzle drizzle. Brother. <laughs> I want to ride the jizzle drizzle, brother. Isn't that opening at Isn't that opening at Bush Gardens, Tampa? I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Anyway. Oh, anyway, you're okay. Okay. We got music poetry. playing. Get, we get got music. All right, here we go. Hulk and Chris Lemon battle bad guys on a boat. Look, Magic Kingdom. Nice! Very well done. Make sure John O'Hurley's not there. No. He'll kidnap your kid and then he'll play golf afterwards. Yeah. And then go back to running his catalog. Thunder in Paradise. It had a boat that was bigger on the inside. Yeah. And driving it, it had two Hard as nails, somewhat intelligent, somewhat strong former Navy SEALs. Best of the best. Best there is. Not the best there was and the best there ever will be. No. That's another guy. That's another guy. You know, if you could get instincts rolling thunder in paradise, I think it would have been good alongside Chris Levin. But in 1994, Thunder in Paradise, it was no werewolf. It was no Night Rider. It was a thing on TV that ran off of Time Lord energy. It did. But you know what else has mad Time Lord energy? Let me guess. Jizzle Drizzle. <laughs> Stop it. <Anyway. laughs> no, 
our website. It was thingontv.com. It has mad past episode energy, mad mini-sode energy, mad live show energy, also mad YouTube energy. In fact, if you go to our YouTube website at It Was A Thing On TV, and don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the bell. Brother. Brother. So you could stay up to date on future entries. Like the stuff we have in line next week. I believe one of them is another one of our uh, TV ephemera shows. Yes. Like you like the TV ephemera shows. And it's something that Greg has had recent expertise in. Very well, recent expertise. Well, me and Mike both have expertise in this topic. Well, and as do I, because I was with Mike when we went out to uh, Enterprise and we were there doing the thing. But we also have another episode in which, uh, God, sadly, a reunion is not in the cards. No. And it's for the worst possible reason ever. <laughs> and by the way, this was when we scheduled this, it wasn't supposed to be timely at all. But alas, it kind of is if you think about it. I mean, a member of this cast is in a reunion and it is airing right now. Right now. So. Uh? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. But we'll talk more about that next week on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everyone. Wow! Thought about at the King of the Ring on June 13th. We're just weeks away from the big showdown in Dayton, Ohio. World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan defending against the big 505-pound Japanese superstar, Yokozuna, you are here with the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, your new and improved manager, Hulkster, before we talk titles, before we talk made-for-television movies, before we talk about anything else, what in the world is your Harley Davidson doing parked in the water here at the beach? Well, that, that's a sore subject with him, Mean Gene. You know, look at his motorcycle, he's got to get rust all of it. He don't want to talk about that. Oh, that's right, man. Well, you know, just before I ran into the salt water, brother, I took her out of the shower. And as I was washing her down and stroking her tanks, as I wrapped the largest legs in the world around her gas tanks, brother, all of a sudden, I got hit between the eyes with a lightning bolt. And as I ran down to the shores of the Pacific Ocean, I put the front forks of my wide glide in about three feet of salt water. And with a palm tree in one hand and a hippie in the other, I looked to the big brother in the sky. And I said, in Dayton, Ohio, who's going to be king of the ring? Ha <laughs> ha. Guess what happened, Gio? I want to know the answer. The pythons started to swell. The veins down the pythons were filled with ice-cold water, brother. And as I felt the power of the Hulkamaniacs, as I felt the power of the pythons, and as I realized for the fifth time I was the greatest champion there ever was, ever is, or ever will be, I also realized that Yokozuno... 525 pounds of stench, wart-infested Japanese was going over my head for the ride. And as I slammed him down in the center of the ring, he will bow to Hulkamania.